Hey, everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. So it was right after a divorce care or grief care session. I don't remember which one. Uh, my wife and I oversee both of those ministries, and I try to be there every night for grief share and divorce care. Uh, after one of the sessions, everybody was kind of leaving, and, and one person came up to me and said, Jonathan, I have a friend I want to come see you. I, I think you could help them, and, and they're kind of giving me some context for um, this relationship and, and how I might be of some help. And, uh, but in the process of, of sort of telling me about it, he says, you know, just be careful. That's not a good introduction. That's not a good way to start. You know, when somebody says, I'm going to send somebody to see you, just be careful, you know, and, and so warning bells start to go off. And then they really started to go off because he said, you know, he's just kind of an unbalanced person. Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody says, hey, this person is unbalanced, well, you know, that, that worries me a little bit. I'm wondering, what exactly am I getting myself into? Because when I hear unbalanced, I think, you know, reactive, not terribly in touch with reality, um, a person who's potentially uh, doesn't receive feedback well, and that in of itself is challenging in a counseling sort of situation. And then beyond that, I'm thinking, you know, even potentially dangerous. Sometimes we hear somebody say that someone is unbalanced, and, and we kind of go to that place. And we think, you know, maybe, maybe I should be concerned. I'm thinking, you know, should I call in security? Like, you know, how, how, how worried should I be about this appointment, you know? Um, and by the way, thanks for sending this person to me. I appreciate that very much. I, <laughs> Swell, I'm looking forward to it. I marked that on my calendar, you know? Um, but I was thinking, after we had that conversation, uh, as I was leaving the building, I was thinking, you know, maybe one of the most insulting things you can say about a person, that they're unbalanced. I mean, there are a lot of things you can say about somebody that are not nearly as insulting as that. I mean, you could say about me that Jonathan is weird. You know, that you're right, you know? I mean, I, I've, I've accepted that at this point. I've gone through all the stages of grief, and at this point, I accept that I'm weird, you know? I just, that's part of who I am, and you could say that about me, and I'd have to agree with you, you know? I mean, you could even say something that's not true about me, and I could probably, you know, depending on what it was, I could probably get over it, but if you were to say, well, Jonathan's just, you know, unbalanced, well, I'm just not sure we could be friends anymore, you know? I mean, it's kind of a harsh thing to say about somebody, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of processing that as I'm leaving the building, and that night, uh, I was on a health kick at the time. Uh, I'm not anymore, as you can tell. Um, but I was determined, at the time I was actually working out every day, and I was determined not to miss a day, and uh, it, I hadn't been that day, and I, I have a membership at one of these 24-hour places, and so leaving uh, campus that night, I had my gym bag, and I was headed to go work out, and when I got there, it was just me. I mean, there really wasn't anybody else there working out. And I'm still kind of processing this in my head. This person's going to come see me, and they're unbalanced, you know. And um, I, as I'm there, now, here's a challenge that I have at the workout facility. I don't know if you have this, but when I get there, there's something that I work very hard to avoid, smack in my face the whole time, which is network and cable television. Like, I, we have TV sets in our house, and I, I'm very thankful for streaming services because they've allowed me to be much more selective about, you know, plus, I, you know, no commercials, which I love. No commercials. That is spiritual. That like that feeds my soul. There are no commercials. In there. But um, but then I go to the workout facility, and what I've been avoiding is right there in front of my face. All the network television, all the cable networks, twenty TVs lined up. You know, and being ADHD, the worst thing they could do is to close caption all those TVs, and that's exactly what they've done. So I'm reading because I read really fast. I'm a speed reader. So I'm I'm unintentionally watching nine TVs at once because I'm, I'm just reading all those captions all the way across. And, and um, there, you know, there are some reality shows on, and I, I, should, I should put reality in quotes. You know? There's some reality TV shows. Um, there's, some, there's a soap opera, which that I've learned from when I've been there working out and see the soap operas. Now, that's just good comedy. You know? that's, really, that's really funny, and I enjoy that, the, the humor in it. Um, but then there were some political programs on, and there was one station that's highly conservative in their views, and one station sort of on the other end of the political spectrum. And, and as I was watching those channels and thinking about this idea of being balanced or being unbalanced, and the fact that in my life, I tend to assume that being balanced is the norm and being unbalanced is the exception. That's why it's insulting. When someone says you're unbalanced, they're basically saying, you're not like the rest of us. We're all balanced and you're not, right? 
as I'm watching the TV, I'm beginning to think I've got this completely backwards. That being unbalanced is the norm and being balanced is the rare exception. And I'm talking rare exception. I mean, I'm watching these two political channels. I don't want to get into any kind of discussion about politics here, but I'm watching these two political stations. They're covering the same story, but from such completely different polar extreme ways that it's almost like two different stories. You'd almost think you were hearing about two different stories. It's the same story, but it's just being covered from such extreme viewpoints. And I could not imagine people saying more extreme things, characterizing things in more extreme ways. I, I, I just got to the point where I, I wouldn't even wanna be on a machine that was on that side because I could almost put up with something, anything other than the political commentary because it was absolutely just insultingly out of balance. I began to think about the fact that the world that we live in, if you think about it, if you begin to think about the environment that we're in, it's very unbalanced. I mean, I think we felt that in 2020, didn't we? I mean, I feel like we were dealing with two different illnesses as a, as a country. We are dealing with COVID as an illness, but we were also dealing with the illness of polarization. We were dealing with the illness of, as a culture, being drawn to extremes, being pressured to extremes, being in some ways lured into extremes, such that people are no longer able to walk together because we've developed this lack of balance in our culture. It's a, it's, a, it's a real problem. So there's that. Our environment is, is unbalanced. But you know what the Bible also says? That not only am I in an unbalanced world, I was born unbalanced. Right? I mean, physically I was born unbalanced. I'm pretty sure nobody in this room was born in the birthing suite, walked up to the physician and said, great delivery doc, I appreciate that very much. Send my mother the bill, would you? Um, because we're born unbalanced. We don't have the ability yet to balance, but, but I was born with a sin nature. So from an emotional and logical and from my standpoint of my soul, I was born with a lack of balance. I did not come into this world balanced. So... Where does that leave us? I was born unbalanced into an unbalanced world full of unbalanced people. Yeah, I, I, it starts to make sense that the norm is to be unbalanced. Actually, it would be weird. It would be a weird thing to be a balanced person in this world. And yet, it's a good weird. And that's what we wanna talk about in this series. How do I be that good weird? How do I be the exception? How do I be the balanced person even though my default is to be unbalanced? I'm in an unbalanced environment and that unbalancedness, that's not a real word, can really impact my life in a negative way. How do I overcome that? How do I live a balanced life? And by the way, what we mean by balance in this series, here's just a working definition. I love to sort of craft out a working definition so we all know what we're talking about. Balance in this series is the ability to stay upright when it would be easier to fall. The ability to stay upright when it would be easier to fall. That is why it is difficult for a toddler to stand and walk, it's actually much easier to fall, right? That is why it takes a while to learn how to ride a bike. It's easier to fall off a bike than it is to ride a bike. That's why for a gymnast, it takes years of practice to get good at doing the balance beam because it's easier to fall off the balance beam than it is to stand on the balance beam. And how many of us know that there are areas of our life where it is much easier to fall than it is to stand? In this series, we're gonna talk about three areas of your life where it is much, much easier to fall than it is to stand. But if we could develop balance in these three areas, we could live a fearless life. And I'm gonna tell you in a minute why we can live a fearless life. But, but these three areas is our thoughts, our words, and our actions. See, it's very easy to fall in our thought life because what we think, right, is something that only we have control of. Only I have control of what I think, but what I think has control of me, right? So ultimately, nobody can make me think something that I don't choose to think. But whatever it is that I choose to think, that is what is going to direct where I'm going. Later on in the series, we'll talk about the direction that we choose for ourselves, and our thoughts are a big part of that. But we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about how do we find balance in our thought life. And then in our words, words are a real challenge. And it's and honestly maybe one of my biggest challenges in this series because I struggle with words. For one thing, I tend to say too many my whole life, I've been one of those people that talks too much, you know? And, and, and the Bible says where there, is a, where there is an abundance of words, there's problems, you know? And, and by the way, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. What I say has the, has the ability, parents, this is especially important for us. 
What I say has the ability to tear someone down or it has the ability to, to, to construct something. See, some of us, we, when we think about parenting, we're so invested in what we construct in our kids and we think about what we're building with our kids in terms of the events that we sign them up for, the school activities that they're part of, the things that we get them registered for. Can I tell you, your words are more important in building up or tearing down your kids than anything you sign them up for. We're gonna talk about that. And then our actions, what do I do? And we know that actions is even at a higher, higher level of the hierarchy because how many times do we say that actions speak louder than words? My actions are very, very important. And in, in that, how many of us know that even with a good heart, even with a heart that desires to follow God, it's easier to fall than it is to stay upright. Well, how about, I mean, you know, I think I could make the case that pragmatically it's important to be able to develop balance in our life. I could develop that from a non-Christian um, just self-help standpoint. But how does God feel about balance in our life? How important is it to God that we be balanced? Well, for that, we can go to the book of Job. Job is uh, probably the first book written in, in the Bible chronologically. It's not the first book in the index of your Bible, but it's probably the first book written chronologically. And at the beginning of Job, in Job chapter one, we have this rare conversation between the God of the universe and Satan about a human being. As far as I know, it's the only point in the Bible where we have a conversation between God and Satan about a human being. And, and God holds up an example of a human being to tell Satan he's wrong. Wouldn't you love to be the example that God uses to show Satan that he's wrong about people? And he uses Job. And look at what he says about him. He says, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless in what, church? He's upright. He's balanced. He's a person who can stand when other people fall. And you know what's interesting? He had been able to be upright through success and he's getting ready to stay upright through failure. If you can be upright through success and failure, that's balance. And Job had that. So it's important. It's so important that when God wanted to, to present the best features of his servant Job to Satan, the fact that he was balanced is one of those. So this is important. It's a big, big deal. And we're gonna spend these four weeks talking about how do I develop a balanced life? This is a big deal for me. How do I become a balanced person? This is part of my personal development plan for 2023. I did a lot of thinking about this in 2020. I did a lot of thinking about how unbalanced our culture was being and how that was seeping into my life and how, again, I was born as an unbalanced person. The truth is it's not very insulting. Once, once I come to accept that I'm an unbalanced person like all the rest of us, right? And I'm working on this. I begin to realize this is a journey I'm gonna be on for the rest of my life is developing balance, right? So I wanna know, how do I do that? How do I develop balance? Um, and so we're just gonna get started this week. And then the next three weeks, we're gonna take it to a whole other level. But first, I just wanna make the point that how we talk about balance is usually wrong. By that person telling me he's an unbalanced person, that assumes that it's like an on-off switch. You're either balanced or you're not. Some of us are balanced, some of us are not balanced. Yeah, that doesn't actually work. That doesn't work in both our, our, the realm of our soul and the realm of our emotions. It certainly doesn't work in the physical realm, right? When we're born, we haven't learned to balance at all, but then we learn to balance a little bit, and we learn to balance in stages. Parents of small children, you know what I'm talking about. They start to be able to carry some of their weight, and then they're able to sit up. But even in learning to sit up, there's a lot of falling and learning, falling and learning, falling and learning. And then there's the ability to stand up, right, supported by something. But even then, there's falling and learning and falling and learning. And then there's cruising from an object to another object. But there's still a lot of learning and mistakes. And then there's that ability to stand up and not hold on to anything. And then there's the ability to take those first few steps. But if you're a parent and you're at that stage with your kid, you know it seems like it has taken a while, right? Now I'm at the age of parenting. I look back and to me it was like, oh, I didn't take very long. But if you're in the middle of it, you know it takes a while. Like these stages take a while and there's a lot of learning involved in it. See, balance is a skill. It's not a characteristic. I'm not either balanced or unbalanced. The question is, how balanced am I? It's a skill, and I'll develop it to a certain point. And then I think maybe a bigger question is, when will you be content that you're balanced enough? When will you be content that you're balanced enough? For instance, um, once I learn to stand and walk, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I feel pretty good about that. I think that's about all the balance I need. I did learn at one point to ride a bike, so you know, there's, there's a step forward for me. But as far as balance is concerned, I think I've conquered it. I'm, I'm done, 
I'm not planning on doing any practicing. I'm not going to a gym to work on becoming more balanced. Some people do. Some people are not content to just be able to stand and walk. They decide they're going to go learn how to be on a balance beam. And if you're a parent of a gymnast, you know there's lots of hours associated with going into the gym and learning to be more balanced than the rest of us who just walk on solid ground. By the way, this is more than you want to know, but in the process for preparing for this series, I met with the creative team and I said, you know, I'm kind of envisioning like a, a gymnast on a balance beam. Like that's kind of the, the, the thing I'm thinking about. And we all looked at each other and said, this sounds like a good plan. And we moved forward with it. What we did not know, what I did not know and what the creative team did not know is that apparently it is gymnastics season. I didn't even know there was a gymnastics season. Gotta be honest with you, I had no clue. So apparently every stick of, gym, of gymnastics gear was spoken for in the known world, you know. <laughs> Uh, there was not a balance beam to be had anywhere. Fortunately, we were finally able to, um, uh, to, to get our hands on one. But uh, in that world of gymnastics, where everybody's going to gymnastics meets right now, think about this, that the room is quickly divided into people who can balance enough to be on the balance beam and people who can't. If you go to one of those meets, the people in the stands, for the most part, are people who would not get up on that balance beam if you paid them to. They're not interested in that because they know they have not developed the skill to be on that balance beam. They've, they've got enough skill to walk and stand, but not enough skill to get up on that thing because they would fall and bust their head open. And yet, there are gymnasts who are not afraid. Remember a second ago I said, we're gonna talk about why developing balance will remove fear from your life. A gymnast is not afraid of the balance beam. They don't walk up to the balance beam and feel intimidated by it because they know how, they know how to stand on it. They know how to do these incredible athletic exercises on this beam, they've worked hard, they've developed the skill, and that balance beam is not intimidating to them. But it would be intimidating to you or me. Well, let's take it to another level. Some people, that's not good enough, and they walk on tight ropes. I mean, I'm just breaking into a cold sweat just looking at the picture. <laughs> and they, they walk hundreds of feet in the air with no safety net. The Walendas have done that famously for, for generations. But you know, they didn't just show up one day and say, I do believe I'm gonna walk the tightrope. It's not like Nick Walinda just decided one day for the first time in his life, I think I'll walk a tightrope. You know, let's string one over the Grand Canyon, let me give it a shot. He did walk on a tightrope across the Grand Canyon, but it took his entire life of learning how to do this before he was ready. And not only did it take decades of practice, they strung a wire across the desert that was a practice wire that he walked on over and over and over again that was the length of the Grand Canyon before he actually attempted the Grand Canyon walk. What I'm saying, folks, is if you struggle with balance, it's not because you're an unbalanced person. You can develop the skill. It is a skill and you can develop it. Anybody can. That's why it's so important that we approach this. Like, how do we develop this skill? Because the more balance I have, the more difficulty I can handle. And the more I can face up to. If I were to offer you some big incentive to walk across the stage from one side to the other, chances are I'd get volunteers all across the room. If I was to bring up a you know, 50 foot balance beam, I don't think such a thing exists, but if I was to bring one up, fill up the whole side, full of, fill up the whole stage of balance beam and offer people to walk across it for money or some incentive, there would probably be a dozen or so people in the room who could do that and would sign up to do it. But the rest of us, would, we would be out. And then if I were to string a, a tightrope 500 feet in the air across our parking lot and pay you the same incentive to walk across that, my hunch is all of us would be out. <laughs> we would all say, well, that was a waste to string that thing up there because nobody's getting, nobody's getting up there. Here's why you can never be content with how balanced you are in the Christian life. Because life will bring you a tightrope at some point. There will be a point where, like it or not, you're gonna have to balance on something that is not easy to balance on, and it is gonna be easier to fall than it has ever been in your life before. And the way that you can walk into that situation and not be anxious and not be fearful is to have been working in your life up to that point to develop the skill of balance. By the way, if you say, well, Jonathan, in the Bible, where would I find balance? I mean, you're talking about this concept like this is a big concept in the Bible. Where will I find this in the Bible? Whenever in the Bible you find the word wisdom, that's what you're reading about. And the Bible talks about wisdom many, 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 many times. In fact, as a matter of fact, there's a book in which the theme is wisdom. Um, and so if you read the book of Proverbs, the whole book is about balance. And by the way, that is where we are anchored in the series. We're anchored in the book of Proverbs. We're gonna be in Proverbs three today. Next three weeks, we're gonna be in Proverbs four. So 
what have we said so far? Well, so far we're saying it's a skill. Balance is a skill. It's not a, it's not a characteristic. It's a skill. You develop it intentionally. There is no such thing as accidental balance. You develop balance intentionally, and you do that through practice. If you want to be a, a, a balanced person, and I want to be a balanced person, this is something I want to develop, work on developing this year, I'm going to need to practice this on a daily basis. But what exactly is it that I need to practice? I mean, that's kind of abstract. Like, what is, what is it that I need to do? Well, the guide book for practice is in, is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean. Leaning is the essence of balance. To balance is to know where to put your weight, to know where to lean. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Another way of translating that would be he will balance you out and point you in the right direction. That is what I want. I want God to balance me out and point me in the right direction. See, the thing about it is, no matter how hard I try, if I don't follow God, I cannot be a balanced person. I, I, can, I can develop knowledge. I can develop some, some ability to process things well. I might make some smart decisions, but ultimately the calibration of going where I need to go in life comes from following God. My ability to point my compass in true north when I get lost comes from following God. And the Bible says that the, what, what I can practice is I can practice trusting God with all my heart. Now let me tell you something that's been a challenge for me. I think one of the reasons why I've struggled sometimes in personal growth in my Christian life is that sometimes when I read scriptures like this, I'm a little bit too abstract and I'm definitely too global. I look at it and I'm zoomed way out and I say to myself, do I generally trust God? Yeah, I generally trust God. Do I try to submit to God in what I do generally? Yeah, generally I do that. I'm zoomed way out. But you know what? I don't grow spiritually that way. You know, I only grow spiritually if I zoom in and I start to get specific and situational and concrete and I begin to ask myself, in this conversation with my teenage daughter, am I trusting in God with all my heart and I'm, or, or am I leaning into my gut? Am I paying attention to what God is telling me to do or am I paying attention to what my gut is telling me to do? In this conversation with my spouse, in this drive to work, because, you know, people annoy me on the road. It's really their fault, but I'm trying to learn how to be better about that. Um, or like in this thing that I'm putting in my Amazon shopping cart, right? Am I paying attention to what God wants me to be thinking about? Once I begin to make it situational and specific and concrete, I begin to realize I, I don't do this as much as I think I do. And I have a lot of practice to do. See, what I'm talking about is instead of thinking about balance in terms of the entire Thing and zooming way out. I'm asking you to think about practicing balance step by step. One of the Walindas, I was listening to an interview they gave, and they said that they don't think about the entire walk at once. They only think about the next step. See, that's, that's how balance is, is gained. Balance is gained one step at a time in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. It's about what I'm thinking about right now. It's about polling. What am I thinking about right now? Is that what I happen to be processing right now? Am I trusting God with my whole heart in that? Uh, the, the things that I'm saying in this conversation, am I leaning into what God wants me to do and not leaning into my own understanding? And the things that I'm doing in this relationship right now, in this moment, am I doing what God would want me to do in this situation? In those moments, that's when practice happens, when I start to go, okay, in this, in this thing that I'm doing, this is the time that I can make sure that I'm doing what God is asking me to do. And that's when we actually start to make those gains. It's interesting to watch somebody walk a tightrope <clears throat> because I noticed how focused they are. They don't walk like you or I walk. When I'm walking through a hallway, I, my eyes are all over the place and I'm somewhere else, you know, my brain is probably somewhere else and and I'm just walking on autopilot. There is no such thing as walking a tightrope on autopilot, right? When you watch these guys, their game face is on. They have their game face on. And they're looking directly in front of them the whole time, constantly looking directly in front of them. And they're feeling with their foot for that next step. And they're, they're shifting their weight very carefully, very carefully, making sure that the, their weight is in the right spot for that next step. Because every step matters, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about practice is when I start to realize intentionally, when I go into this meeting that I'm getting ready to have, every step matters. When I talk to my kids in this moment, every step matters. When I have this conversation with my spouse, every step matters. When, I, you know, when I'm thinking about this financial situation, every step matters. Um, when, I'm, when I'm talking to somebody about God, every step matters. Not so that I can beat myself up, but so that I can just recognize the importance of each little step. 
And then I can actually see some good things happen. So I would say this, whether you are balanced or not, it really just depends on where you place the weight of your next step. And you're gonna have two choices. You're gonna have the choice to either place the weight of your next step on what God says or on what your gut says. And here's the thing, by default, the way that we come shipped from the factory, we lean into our gut. We lean into our own intuition. The reason that the Bible says lean not into your own understanding is because that is what we would typically do. We would typically lean into our own understanding. That's the way we come pre-programmed. But what do we mean when we say our intuition or our gut or our own understanding? I think it's kind of a combination of two things. I think it's a combination of our emotional experience and our logical conclusions, both of which are valuable. We shouldn't get rid of either, right? My emotional experience is valuable. Emotions are God-given. They're important. However, I would say emotions are best kept in the passenger seat, you know? Don't put your emotions in the driver's seat. They don't need to be in charge. And I would encourage you not to put them in the trunk. If you ignore them, they will leak out and they will be in charge at the worst possible moment. It's important to be aware of our emotions, but also not to let them drive the train. Just as our logic is important, our logic is God-given, and sometimes our logic is correct, but the older I get, the more I realize that my logic is less reliable than I would like to think it is. Some years ago, I guess this has been maybe three years ago, um, I was humbled by the Lord because uh, of a situation that happened. My, my daughter was working on pre-algebra of some sort, and she came and brought it to me and, and said, Dad, can you help me with this? problem. Can you check it? She just really wanted me to check it. Now, what you should know was happening at that time in my life. I had just started teaching uh, graduate level statistics and research methods, and, and I still do that. And at this stage of my life, I love teaching this because I get to help the next generation of Christian psychology professionals do excellent research, and that energizes me in a huge way. At the time, though, I was just pretty excited about myself, I was, I was pretty proud. I was, I was definitely a little bit personally elevated. I thought, you know, uh, look at me, I'm pretty awesome. Um, and uh, so, you know, in this as well, when, you know, students start to look up to you as a professor, you start to get a little lifted up in pride. My daughter here comes to me with her pre-algebra and I'm like, well, it's fortunate for her that she's my daughter. Um, <clears throat> and she brings it to me and I check it and I say, sweetie, you got this wrong. And she said, but I did it the way that my teacher showed me. And I said, well, Obviously, your teacher is wrong, you know? Um, it's okay, though. She just teaches at the grade school level. I, you know, I teach graduate. So, again, you know, thank the Lord that I'm your father. And uh, I'll, I'll help you through this. And then when I show you how to do it, you can take it back to your teacher and show her how to do it. And um, so... I showed her how to do it and she kind of looked a little bit surprised, but she went with it. She took it into school and she came back the next day and she said, dad, my teacher said this was wrong. Now I'm mad. <laughs> I mean, ignorance is one thing, but being stubborn is a whole other thing completely. You know, I'm, so I feel like the Lord is calling me at this point to write a letter, write an email, straighten this person out. So I began to write this email to explain some of the higher points of math and, um, uh, my wife. Now, I, I don't know, guys, if you recognize, if, if you have this experience, men in the room, perhaps this is your experience as well. Sometimes the Holy Spirit seems to speak through my wife. I don't know, like, <laughs> what kind of arrangement God and her have. Like, they must have come to some sort of agreement. But at some point, my wife will say something, and it's probably from the Lord. And she says to me, You know, Jonathan, you should really rework the problem before you send that email. So I grab the textbook back out and I rework the problem. And did you know that a positive times a negative is a negative? I knew that, but apparently I just took leave of it for a minute, and uh, so I was wrong, and that reminds me, every time I think about that, that reminds me that so often we think that we have logically processed something. We know our emotions are unreliable. I don't think anybody in the room is surprised about that. We know our emotions are unreliable, but isn't it amazing how much we lean into our logic because if we think we've thought it out, if we think we know how it's supposed to be, if we think we have all the pieces of how to figure this out and we figured it out, isn't it amazing how firmly we will stand on that? Because we're like, well, I've thought this through. How many times have we thought something through only to realize we didn't think it through enough? We were wrong. See, the thing about it is, as valuable as your emotions are and as valuable as your logic are, neither will ever be as reliable as God. Neither will ever be reliable as God. That's why God is saying, don't put your weight on your own understanding. It's not that neither of those things are valuable. It's just that they are less accurate than God. And if you have a relationship with the God of the universe, you have access to the most accurate standard possible. See, I, I, 
I would like to say that I'm relatively good at gauging an inch. I, I can be close. If you were to ask me how long is an inch and, and ask me to draw it on a paper, I, I think I could get pretty close. But the truth is, if you really wanna know how much is an inch, I need to get a ruler out because the ruler is much more reliable than, than my intuition. I'd be close, but I wouldn't be dead on. That's why God is saying, don't lean on your own intuition. It's tempting to lean on your own intuition because you know you'd be close, but you wouldn't be right. That's why it's so important. Now, why, why is our system corrupted? Why is it that our emotions and our logic let us down sometimes? Well, First John tells us why. The world offers these things. These things, by the way, if you look up the, the definition of balance in the dictionary, it says it's the ability to stay upright against extreme external forces. Well, the extreme external forces that push us off balance in the Christian life are right here. The world offer, offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. So the things that push us off balance in the Christian life is a desire for what feels good, a desire for what looks good, and, and the desire to be lifted up in pride. Really, it's the desire to be worshiped. So I want what feels good, I want what looks good, and I want people to look at me, right? And those things, even though our heart doesn't want to be invested in those things, the sin nature that we were born with is invested in those things, and it will be invested in those things until we go to heaven and we experience what life is like without these sin natures. So I have to learn to do what is not natural, to lean on self is natural. To lean into my gut is natural. To lean on God is unnatural. But I would say if you're in this room and you're a God follower, you've been working on this. This isn't the first time you've thought about this. You've been working on this. Like, like me, I've worked on trying to learn how to lean on God in difficult circumstances. I remember when I was in Bible college, there was a couple months there where it seemed like every guest speaker that the, univer that the college had brought in, speaked on, they, they spoke on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it was all about trusting in God with all your heart over and over again. And we heard that message over and over again. But you know what I don't remember any of them saying, and I wish they had because it would have helped me at that point in my life, is that for a God follower, maybe the biggest challenge you will ever deal with is choosing not to lean in two different directions. It's not that I don't wanna lean on God. It's just that I haven't completely done that. Why does the Bible say trust in God with all your heart? Because it is human nature to trust in God with some of your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Why would we need to be instructed to acknowledge God in all our ways? Because it is human nature to acknowledge God in some of our ways. And to toggle between what my gut says and what God says. I saw the footage as I was preparing for this talk, as I was Reading about the Walenda family, I found it fascinating. I was looking into their, um, just things they said about walking tightropes. This was kind of relevant to what I was studying. And I saw the video of two accidents that happened with the Walenda family. The patriarch of the Walenda family um, died in a fall in the 70s in South America. And then there was a recent accident where they were doing a pyramid stunt where there were, I wanna say seven of the family that were on this together in a pyramid with a person sitting on a chair on top and uh, one person lost their balance, the entire pyramid toppled over. A couple people were able to hang on to the high rope, but um, everyone else fell to the ground, no net. There was, there was a lot of uh, physical damage that occurred. But what's interesting is you watch, and you know that moment is coming where they're gonna fall, but the thing that happens right before they fall is you start to see this really rapid toggling back and forth. And it is though that person is saying, I just don't know where to put my weight right now. And that's when they fall. See, life will throw you a curveball at some point, and if you are not completely settled on where to put your weight, you will do that. You will go back and forth. You will go back and forth between putting weight on self and putting weight on God. Self-God, 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 and that's when you'll fall. That's the struggle, is choosing to trust God with all my heart. That's hard, and by the way, it only happens if I practice it. I won't just wake up one day and do it. I have to practice it. But what does James have to say about this idea of, of putting our whole weight on God? Now James, you need to know this before I, before I push, put, put the next screen up. James is kind of like that relative that you have that just says sharp things. He just has some hardcore stuff to say. And, and he's, he's, there's not a lot that he says. He's, he's one of those people who has few words to say, but every once in a while something he says stings a little bit. You know, I don't know if you have anybody like that in your life where you're like, wow, they're very frank. James is very frank. 
And this is what he says. He says, if you need wisdom or if you need balance, would be a good way of putting it, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith or your weight is in God alone. Don't waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are what, church? They're unstable. They're unbalanced in everything that they do. Hmm. James is saying if you really, really want to be stable in your life, you're gonna to have to make a choice that what God says is more important than what your gut says. I'll give you an example of this. Now, I, we don't have time to do anything exhaustive here. I'm, I'm just, just picking out a couple of examples of how could we lean into God instead of leaning into our gut in these areas because I wanna make it practical for you. So for instance, in the area of our thoughts, there's so many ways that we could go with this, but um, what was on my mind this week is I was thinking about and, and um, looking into some research about depression and before I get into any depth in this, I just wanna reiterate what my dad said in a recent talk, underline it, put an exclamation point after it. I absolutely believe um, that there are legitimate um, uh, emotional struggles. Major depressive disorder is an absolutely legitimate emotional struggle, and I absolutely think that what I'm getting ready to show you will not cure your major depression if you're struggling with it. So um, I, I totally believe in the treatment modalities that we have for that, so please hear this as a caveat. I'm not suggesting that what I'm getting ready to say is some, side of, some kind of magic cure for depression or anxiety. What I am going to tell you is that all of us struggle with these kinds of negative thoughts, and that all of us can move the needle a little in our lives if we would begin to think about how can I lean into what God says and not what my gut says in this area. So for instance, in depression, we know that what is common, big part of the major depressive disorder complex, are pervasive negative thoughts about three things, myself, my situation, and my future. I become very negative about myself. I almost look for problems with myself. I almost become hyper, hypercritical. And then once I come up with things that I believe are false about myself, I camp there. I dwell there. And I really focus on what I think is wrong with me. And that just sort of becomes the thoughts that I play through in my head all the time. And as a result, I become very cynical about myself and very negative about myself. And then as that begins to become a bigger and bigger part of my life, I begin to get negative about my situation and about my workplace, and about my family, and about my finances, and I see kind of like the worst possible scenario in all of those areas. It's almost like I'm looking through life with some sort of negatively tinted glasses that everything that I look at, I see in a dark way where others don't see that negativity. When others look at the same situation, they don't see it in such a negative way, but somehow I always seem to snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. I always have some sort of negative viewpoint of what it is that I'm seeing. And then finally, my future. I tend to think that whatever difficulty I'm going through right now is either going to continue on into the future or get worse. And I have a very difficult time projecting that things will ever get better in my life. Well, if, if I struggle with this and I lean into my gut, my gut will reinforce those things. My gut will continue to tell me that I'm right about all of that. But what does God have to say about it? If I wanna practice thinking differently, what does God have to say about that? Well, first of all, and by the way, so much, so much. But just as an example, what about for my, what does God say about myself? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love, God's love, for those who fear him, you and I. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. One of the reasons why we get so negative about ourselves is because we know that we've failed and we see our own failures. But what is so awesome about this is God says, for the person who has calibrated their soul toward God, who says, God, you are right and I am wrong. When I fall short, it is not because God has somehow failed me, it is because I have failed God, and yet I still am calibrating myself to true north and saying, I'm trying to follow you, God. I'm an imperfect human being and I really struggle, but I'm doing my best to follow you. For that person, as we come to God and we confess our sins and we say, I have failed, God then takes those and puts them as far away from his view of us as you can possibly imagine, more than a human being can imagine, that's why directions are used here, east and west, because from a human vantage point, that's as far as we can, that's as far as our brain goes. Personally, I think God separates it in a way that a human being can't understand. When we look in the mirror and we see ourselves, we see all of that, the baggage and the failures, but what you need to know is that when God looks at you, he doesn't see those things. He sees your potential, he sees what you can be, and he sees who you will be. Well, what about my situation? In John 16, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Well, that seems evident. We've seen plenty of that. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What is God saying? 
Our gut says, I can't survive this because my situation is so bad. God says, I just want you to know I've got more power than your situation has. Whatever the, whatever the big dog with the big teeth is that's chased you into a corner, I'm bigger than the big dog, right? What about my future? Well, we had a whole series about this in Jeremiah 20, uh, the 29, 11 series. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and what? A future. So my future is coming from God. He knows what it is. It's wrapped underneath the Christmas tree. And the Bible, and, and if you were here with us for the 2911 series, you know that the, uh, this gets translated from the Hebrew. The idea here of I know the plans I have for you comes from the idea of knowing by seeing. I know it because I have seen it. God is saying, I have seen what your future is. And not only that, when the Bible uses the word plans here, that comes from the same Hebrew word from which we develop our word machine. God is saying the gear work for your future is, is already turning and I've seen it. You haven't seen it yet, but trust me, it is in the works and I, your good benevolent God, am, am working on your behalf for your future. That is important and the more we can lean into that, the less powerful our gut is and the more we can lean into the fact that I can move toward a future if I know God is preparing that for me. But what about our words? I told you, this is a struggle for me. I can really struggle with my words. Well, check this out. God says this. God says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, and check this out. How's this for a bulleted list of things we should check? What is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen? This is, this is getting in my grill a little bit, that every step that I take, I have to start thinking about what I say in conversations. And if I'm gonna practice getting better, what I have to practice is asking myself, is what I'm getting ready to say gonna be helpful? By the way, did you notice that, that, is a, that that's positive, not neutral? Because there are plenty of things that we could say that might not be harmful, but they're also not helpful. You know what I mean? You ever have somebody say something to you, it wasn't harmful, but it sure didn't help. So God didn't say, just don't do any harm with what you said. He said, actually help with what you say. And then he said that it needs to be for building others up. You can tear someone down easily with your words. We talked about that earlier. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I have to decide whether I'm going to tear someone down with my words or build them up. And then here's an interesting one. It needs to be according to their needs. Now, this is really powerful because often we say things because we think we're going to fix a problem that we yet do not understand. We speak in order to fix something that we are not clear on yet. So if I don't know what someone's needs are, I cannot, how, how many times, I'm, I'm such a home improvement fool. Because I'll walk into Home Depot and I feel that male empowerment that says, the tools and the materials are here for me to basically rebuild my home. I could do anything that I want. Like I could totally like add 200 square feet to the back of my house. I, I could buy the stuff right here to do it and I could probably, I could probably do that. But you know as well as I do, if you try to fix something that you don't understand, you will make it worse. So if I don't understand what the needs are, I'm gonna make it worse. And then finally, to benefit those who listen. Now this is really important. Parents, parents, tune in here. Those here is, is a plural word. One of the things that we know from research is that parents often lose track of who happens to be listening to them when they're talking to each other. There are little ears around a lot of the time. And, and we aren't really asking. First of all, I mean, yeah, first of all, we should be asking is what I'm gonna do gonna benefit my spouse? But there's an even bigger question. Is what I'm getting ready to say not only gonna benefit my spouse, but is it gonna benefit my kids? Because if they're listening, they're part of the those that the Bible is talking about. I need to always take into account who is here. By the way, this is a good work rule too. If, if you have to deal with an issue with somebody at work, you need to ask yourself who all is around because it's not just about me benefiting the person I'm talking to, but the Bible has given me an imperative that anybody who's listening, I need to make sure that what I'm saying is beneficial for all those people. So you see what I'm saying? That's a pretty major litmus test. And then if you wanna know what the, the, hard, the most hardcore test of all of them is under actions where Jesus tells us that in everything you need to do to others what you would have them do to you. That's a major test. Now, if you're like me, as I was reading through this and kind of working through this mentally, I, I got a little discouraged because I thought, man, I have so much work to do. In order to, to lean on God instead of leaning on my gut in these areas, wow, I have a lot of work to do. And yet it was as though, God didn't speak to me audibly, but it was almost as though God spoke to me and said, but Jonathan, think about how much ground you have to take. Think about how, how much better your life is gonna be as you step by step, day by day, begin to develop balance. Every day of the Christian life is an opportunity to practice your balance. 
to practice getting this right, to, to take a step in a forward direction. Yes, you're gonna fall, I'm gonna fall, we're all gonna fall, that's part of learning to be more balanced. But every day that we go out there and we try to learn how to be more balanced, the better we get. And by the way, God is cool with that arrangement. Check this out in Lamentations. The Bible says that God's faithfulness is great. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Aren't you thankful it's every morning and not, I don't know, like every seven years or something, right? <clears throat> when I was in Bible college, at the end of the semester, if, if you had under a certain number of demerits, they would wipe off your demerits. They wouldn't be part of your permanent record. And I remember waiting for that end of semester. It was a big deal to me, kind of OCD perfectionist type. I don't want demerits on my record. And I would remember waiting until that end of semester for them to get wiped off. What I love is the Bible says, God cleans the slate every morning. Every morning when you get up, you get a fresh start. And it's time to get back up on that beam and try to practice that balance. I'm over time, but I... I just wanna make sure that we're clear on what the takeaway is for this week, and then I have one other thing that I wanna cover. But for the takeaway for this week, the main thing I want you to remember, and we'll try to make sure that over these four weeks, we're very clear about what you can take home with you. But for this week, it is this. Balance is a skill, it's not a characteristic, it's not a personality trait, that you develop by putting your weight on Jesus one step at a time. You're gonna practice one step at a time putting your weight on Jesus, and if you do that, you will develop a skill. Will you fall? Sure you will. But you will start to get better and better and better, and the people around you will start to notice that your thoughts, your words, and your actions are improving. But I do wanna to speak to the person in the room who would say, Jonathan, all of this has been helpful. I wanna practice my balance. I'm gonna do that. But I got a little bit of a problem, and that is that right now, there is a tightrope in front of me, and I have no choice but to walk it. And I have not practiced for this. I'm getting ready to show up at a recital and I don't know how to play the instrument. I have really tried very hard to think about how am I gonna be balanced in this situation, but I, I just don't know, right? Because maybe it's a health situation, maybe it's a financial situation, maybe you're dealing with a family crisis, maybe it's a relationship thing, but you're like, Jonathan, I, I feel like I don't have a low rope to practice on. I have like a really high rope to practice on and that's kind of scary to me. Well, if that's you, there's a passage in the scripture just for you. In Matthew, Jesus and his disciples uh, are in their earthly ministry, and the disciples are once again in a terrible storm out at sea. Wasn't their choice. Jesus told them to go out and be on the sea, but now they're in the middle of the storm, and they see Jesus walking toward them. Now, the apostle Peter is an interesting guy for so many reasons, but in the middle of this situation, he has to decide whether to trust his gut or to trust God, because if you are experienced in being out at sea in a storm, you recognize, your gut tells you that the safest place to be is in the boat and the dangerous place to be is in the water. If you're in the water, it's pretty much all over at this point. So danger is in the water, safety is in the boat or as close to safety as you can possibly get. And yet Peter understands because he's been practicing, he's been following God. There, there was a, an old praise chorus called Learning to Lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Peter, in his, in his season of ministry with Jesus, had been learning to lean on Jesus. And he recognizes at this point that while his gut says the safe place is the boat and the dangerous place is the water, that the truth is the safe place is always with God, always with God. Wherever God is, that's the safest place. So he calls out to Jesus and says, if it's really you, I want you to tell me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus says, come on. It's in the Greek. You just have to look for that. Just come on, buddy. <clears throat> Peter does something no other human being has ever done. He walked on the, on the water. And that kind of messes some people up. I had a friend who's an atheist said, Jonathan, that's impossible because the surface tension of water doesn't matter how you change it, how you affect it, what you do to it, the surface tension of water will never support the weight of a human being. And I said, you're exactly right. I will support you in that 100%. I don't think the surface tension of water was what was supporting Peter. I think Jesus was supporting Peter. And there will come a time, there will come a time in your life where you will look at that wire in front of you and you will say, I don't think that'll hold me. And it, you know what, it probably won't, but Jesus will. He'll hold you up in the middle of that. I mean, here's the deal. It was impressive that Nick Walenda walked across the Grand Canyon, but at least that did not defy the laws of physics. Peter is walking on water, folks. I mean, that's crazy. That's really crazy course, you know he lost his balance because he hasn't practiced this yet. He's, he's in a very, this, this is practicing at, 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 a, at a level that none of us can imagine, and he starts to lose his balance. The Bible says he saw the strong wind and the waves. That's that external pressure. Ca causes him to lose his balance. He starts to sink, and then he shouts, save me, Lord, and this is what I love. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. For the person that's in the room who would say, Jonathan, I'm having to practice on a tightrope 
and it's scary, I will grant you, you're right, it is scary. But I do want you to know, you will never fall farther than the reach of the Savior. Because all you ever have to do is call out to him and he will grab you. You won't hit the ground. He'll grab you and he'll set you back up like a loving parent does. How many times have we watched a parent teach their child how to walk? Their child takes a few steps and then they plop down because they haven't really completely developed their balance yet. And that loving parent comes up and sets them back up and says, you were doing it, good job, keep going. That is what God will do for you. I don't care if you're on a high wire, he will grab you before you hit the ground and he will set you back up and he will say, you were doing it, good job, just take some more steps. Oh, we're gonna have some fun with this series. Because if we can develop balance, we can be the exception and not the rule, and we can make a change in this world. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the fact that we're gonna explore what you've designed us, the way you've designed us to live. Help us to lean on you when we go through difficult circumstances and things that don't make sense. Give us the ability to recognize that even though our gut seems so loud, that we need to listen to your voice in the middle of the difficult things that we go through. Heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. If you're in this room and you'd say, you know what, Jonathan, the idea of a loving God who would pick me up when I fall, that's something that I, I just, that's not part of my life, but I would really like to have a relationship with the God that you're talking about. Here's the good news for you. The good news is that God wants to have a relationship with you and that Jesus has done everything necessary for that to happen. The only thing that Jesus can't do for you is say yes, because if he said yes for you, it wouldn't be a relationship, would it? So he waits for you. The Bible says he knocks on the door of your heart just to see if you will answer. And if you're at a point today where you're ready to answer God, I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about making some sort of religious commitment. I'm saying if you're ready to have a relationship with Jesus, you can start that right now. I'm gonna say the words to a very simple prayer. It just calls out to God and says yes. And if you wanna follow along, you can do that. You don't need to say this out loud. You can say this silently in your heart to God. Here we go, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died and came back to life for me. I know that I do wrong things and I know I can't get to heaven on my own. Today, I accept your free gift of heaven and forgiveness. I believe in you, Jesus. Amen. Just look this way just for a second, if you would. If you just prayed that prayer with me, would you do me a favor? You just made the biggest decision in your life and we wanna help you start that new journey with Christ. So if you would text PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97,000. Um, if you're watching online, we'll make sure that we get these materials to you. If you're here in person, you can just stop by guest services and they have this box for you that they would love to give you to get you started in your new walk with God. We'll see you next week for the Balance Series. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.